Welcome to Pursuing Success. My name is Alden. And I'm John. In this podcast, we dive into the fundamentals of success. Try to figure out how to be a little bit better each and every day. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. All right, so I'm going to hit the music. Pursuing Success Podcast. We're back. We're back. Welcome back. This week, uh, we've got another another guest prepared, and uh, I'm excited to have on uh, Will Cannon. Yes, welcome, Will Cannon. I am very prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Will is a good friend of mine. Uh, he is a part of... Uh, you want to introduce yourself, sure. Will? I can fill. I can fill in the gaps. How do you explain? Uh, how do I? Explain I hear you would introduce me. Okay, Will is a missionary, a Christian, a celibate man. That's a big part of his his life. So yeah. it's it's worth mentioning fairly early on. <laughs> um, and uh, he's a musician, yeah, guitarist. Anything with strings, except for the piano. I've never heard him play that. I do play piano. Oh, oh, oh wow. I don't know if you, I mean, <laughs> you want me to hear it. You don't want to, you want to hear me play the piano. Yeah, we can go at it in the basement afterward. Um, <laughs> you have a piano down there, right? We do, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, he is part of UCO Ann Arbor, which is University Christian Outreach. Yep. Um, what's your position there? Officially? I am the director, the chapter director, Ooh. as official as that sounds. <laughs> of Ann Arbor. And I used to be a part of UCO back when I was, of, I'm still of college age, but <laughs> freshman, sophomore age, I would That's hang around right. and stuff. So Will and I lived together for a couple summers, maybe one summer. Yeah, one summer. Um, and then just great guy. Got, got, in, got to know each other. So when I approached him about the podcast, he said, I'm paraphrasing, let's do it. <laughs> That's great. And, and might I add, he's also uh, pretty great at growing beards. He's really got it coming in nice. Wow. If, if the uh, if the podcast had any sort of visual aspect, yeah, you guys to need it, to do a video video cast. We we really should. But, uh, <laughs> what what if we did one from above? That'd be cool. That's right. Or just a multi face. We could have a beard cam on the <laughs> just <laughs> just a zoomed in a on my face. <laughs> That'd be so good. There are some people in the world that would be thankful for that. <laughs> do you imagine the sponsorships? Just yeah. a small little niche audience. Yeah, just getting all of them. <laughs> So, Will, uh, let's hear uh, what's kind of your life like as far as uh, your work. Let's work? start by like talking about your life now. Sure. So we can go into the past a little bit, see sure. what brought you to where you are now, and then we can kind of open it up a little bit. We can talk about cool anything we want. Anything. Man. Take the well, floor. What do you want to hear about my life? I am very curious about what your daily life looks like working as a full-time missionary. Uh, that's a great question. I get many people that when I first, uh, when I start building relationships with high or college students, so I'm a college missionary. That's like my, the easiest way to talk about what I do. Uh, usually at some point in our relationship, they're like, so what do you do with your life? <laughs> like, uh, what does it actually look like? Uh, do you even work? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, as a college missionary, mostly what I'm doing is building relationships with with people and just building friendships and connections as a director of a college outreach that puts on, I've put on a lot of other hats that I've had to learn uh, how to put on <laughs> over the years. I've been working for UCO university of Christian outreach as a missionary for 10 years now. Uh, I started back in 2011, 2012 and uh, I've been serving as a director for the last five. Being a director looks like, like you're both, uh, you know, a man, you manage people a lot. You run a lot of meetings. I write a lot of talks, um, make a lot of phone calls, write a lot of emails, manage budgets. It's kind of like running a small company or maybe like mm -hmm. a small nation at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, you know, that takes up a chunk of my, of my time. But I'd say the most important stuff that I do is uh, I try to spend time in prayer uh, for our, the work that I get to do, for the people that I get to meet. Um, I spend a lot of time just building relationships, you know, going for lunch and dinners with, with people, walks, uh, planning events and, you know, doing things like that. Uh, 
I don't know if this is getting giving you guys at all no, a picture yeah. of my of my life. No, this but, is this uh, is great. <laughs> so so for those of us who don't know, um, the term UCO has been tossed around quite a bit. Could you get, could you give us a quick little blurb on what UCO is and how you manage it and whatnot? Yeah, yeah so we're ju- we're a campus missionary group for uh, college students. Uh, we work at you know local universities to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, to them, we we speak about him. We we try to help people enter into a deeper relationship with him. Uh, we do that mostly through uh, kind of our communal life together. So we're not a church, you know, in a official way. Uh, we're just a group of of Christians, and what we try to do is help people encounter Christ, and then we connect them to local churches uh, around the area. Um, and then we ha- try to help them live together well. We try to help them learn to to be brothers and sisters, even if they belong to different church backgrounds and traditions. Um, try to build our life on what we share, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a quick blurb of what makes us a bit unique. You know, we're not we're not officially a church, but we try to work with churches to to support them and and send people uh, in, into churches for sure. But it definitely helps to to see the scale of kind of the whole organization as a whole. Yeah. Aren't you underneath a large organization that's more worldwide, correct? Yeah. So like UCO, the we're just a campus outreach of a broader movement of communities, so families who have felt a similar call to kind of form community life that spans different church traditions and backgrounds. So uh, we, the big word that we throw out is an ecumenical community, ecumenical meaning, you know, men and women from all different church Christian backgrounds. Uh, we try to help them live together, promote community life where we pray together and do outreach together. So I work for one of the outreaches that kind of is connected to that broader international organization. That organization is called the Sword of the Spirit. And uh, UCO is one of the, the just the outreaches that we run for college students. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, obviously 10, 11 years, you enjoy it. I hope yeah. <laughs> this is like, your <laughs> there's definitely things that I've come to enjoy about it. And there's stuff that's challenging. You know, it's still of work. Course. It's like, yeah. uh, but definitely uh, there's a lot of joy when uh, it's a privileged position. I always yeah, like uh, reflecting on how privileged I am to get to see it when a person encounters a truth much bigger than themselves. And that truth changes who they are it's a really privileged position just to, to be in someone's life at that stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always am just amazed that I get to do that. That's nice when you get to see it, when it feels like you're just like banging your head against the wall and trying to help people, you know, do something that they don't even want. That's when it, you know, it gets hard. It's cool for me to see because, so I, John and I both are more in business, mm-hmm. ask working, I'm self-employed. Uh, and the way that we work is very much for profit. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, you know, the potential to have family in the future for it's very self-motivated, but your work is so entirely others motivated that it's, it's, what's that different? How is that like? Cause I know you've experienced that in your earlier life, you know, working for. Yeah. Many other <laughs> companies and businesses and things like that. But how does it change your motivation day to day? I mean, it makes it a lot more complicated, I would say, because you, you, it would be easier just to have a bottom line or your, your, uh, your sales to kind of track how, how well you're doing at stuff. But when you're in the business of forming relationships with people, building community with people, uh, discipling them and helping them grow personally, it all, be, all of a sudden becomes a lot harder to define success. And uh, there's many times I would just think, man, it'd be so much easier if we could just look at an Excel spreadsheet and it would tell us how well we're doing right now. Um, because you can't, even in an outreach, you don't just track uh, success by numbers. It's not just about how many people you got to the door. It's like, are you actually helping them, uh, in the best way possible? Are you actually, you know, equipping them to now, you know, in our case, live for Jesus for the rest of their life, not just to have a nice experience at an event or something like that. And that makes, I think that makes the job a lot more interesting for me personally, because it, it's a much more complex. It's much more abstract. It's not like, at the end of the day, I just look at a you know a spreadsheet and figure out yeah I'm I'm hit my sales goals right now right um, but I have to look at people's lives and ask God to help me discern the fruit of His Spirit the fruit of the the life that we find in Christ and that's uh, that can be very complicated at times. <laughs> do Do you find it like sometimes like demotivating at times since you don't have a like a clear rubric to put your the hourly work that you're putting in every day 
against any sort of like metrics? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the challenge of this of this job is uh, getting uh, losing sight of like what is your goal and how do you actually define success in it. Uh, it's so easy to just get sucked into, man, this guy's not texting me back, so I guess I'm failing right now. Uh, rather than asking, okay, well, what can I do to better my relationship with him, to express love to him, express understanding? Or uh, it's a lot easier just to say, well, man, this event went great. You know, the, logistically, everything was perfect. I'm ki- I'm doing great right now in my in my job. Uh, but you have to take step, many steps back. Oftentimes, this is why, like, it's important in this work to have a rich life of prayer where you're not concerned about your your job and you're just taking steps back and trying to reflect and just allow yourself to to gain a, the the bigger vision of uh what our goal is which is actually personal transformation for people actually helping them uh, transform their life helping god actually enter into their life that's much harder to define but every once in a while you get to see it and it can be really joyful when you get to when you get to recognize that Absolutely. No, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, so, so do you have some like tactics that you use outside of the ones you just mentioned to like keep you motivated, to keep you, um, keep that flame within you of wanting to work through the grind that is yeah the lull of a, any job? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, every work itself is always <laughs> going to have some level of mundane tasks and stuff like that. And that's where I'd say like, uh, this is where having a really rich, just prayer life where you're you're stepping back and you're returning to first principles as much as you can and for christians and for me as a christian it's always coming back to do i believe that god loves me for who i am regardless of what i do in mission regardless of how i affect other people's lives do i think god just loves me that uh i have to always come back to that that truth and man when i start drifting away from that which it's very easy to that's where the motivation starts to, you know, d- disappear very quickly. <clears throat> so that's a that's one of the things I'd say. But it also comes with just uh, making sure I'm putting people first and not uh, just a program or just you know uh, looking at the numbers of who's coming, you know, how many people are coming. I actually think who is coming and how what is my relationship with them? Is it one based on love? Do I actually know this person? When I the better I actually get to know people, I actually find I'm much more driven to love them well, to spend time with them, to build a relationship with them. So it's both spending time with God regularly, but it's also good to just make sure uh, I'm allowing myself to get caught up in the relationships and and look just to those as like a good in and of themselves, not as a means to get to some other end. Mm-hmm. Whereas like maybe in a job, you do just want to make that many call phone calls to get to your number or whatever it is, or you're just looking at, you know, uh, you, you need to get a certain number of people to, to, to do a set of things, you know, or a set of tasks. Uh, that's a dangerous mentality to get sucked into, which, but it's easy to in this, in this field. And it seems, um, to me, it seems like it would be very difficult, uh, to stay motivated if it was, if it was just a job that you were deciding to do for a little bit, but this is something you've dedicated your life to. Yeah. So like that's a different mindset entirely. That yeah. I, don't, I, it's not something I've ever done committed my life to that level. So I'd imagine it would like, yeah, well it, it doesn't, and this is maybe where what I'm doing differs a little bit in what you guys probably mostly talk about on this podcast mm-hmm. where, you know, my life as a missionary, I don't look at it as my nine to five job or my means of, providing for myself i look at it as a vocation as a a higher kind of a i guess a bigger picture job (laughs) you know a job that should impact all of my life not just like oh what am i going to do with you know my daytime and where am i going to go work and what's going to get me a paycheck it's man what should all of my energy and my time and my attention be Mm -hmm. and uh i think personally was when i actually encountered Christ myself and I realized his love for me I realized man the main thing I want to do with my life regardless of what my job is is actually help other people encounter that same love and I don't know if I'm going to get paid for that I don't know what that's going to look like uh, but I want my whole life to get behind that so that's where like you know there's parts of my of my life that look like this is I do it because it's a job 
all other parts that I do it because this is my calling. And as a Christian, as someone who wants to be faithful to the gospel, I realize I have to be always looking to extend that same love and that same message to, to everyone. So that maybe puts it in a different category than just like a, yeah. you know, nine to five job that I'm trying just to you know, get, get through to do other things. Definitely. But it's a whole different mindset altogether. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. cool to learn about. Yep. And it's tough because you have to also figure out how you balance it well. I mean, you can't. You don't want to just burn out, which happens a lot with missionaries, as they they realize this just encompasses all their life, so they put all their time into it, and then they don't do it in the long run because they just get tired and it destroys them. So there's an interesting balancing act you got to end up finding where you you know how to get the right rest, you know how to get the right rejuvenation, to then do it in in the long run. What do you do to rejuvenate? Oh man. A lot of things. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, let's not even get into that. Sleep, Too many. <laughs> sleep is one big one. <laughs> Too many good things. Start. I good love start. sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> I try to sleep regularly every <laughs> night. It's great. I'd highly recommend it to all your listeners. <laughs> what, what is your What is your recommended amount of sleep? Oh man, I'm an eight hour. If you can get eight hours, you're doing great. I just finished reading Matthew Walker's book on why we sleep. He says the same thing. It's got to be eight hours, or or else you're developing a sleep debt. And that really convicted me. <laughs> What's a sleep debt, uh, according to that book? I mean, it's just where you're 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 consistently operating on not enough sleep that your your brain needs, really. And he goes a lot into the neuro- neurology and how your brain processes emotions and relationships and experiences when we sleep in a way that uh, it r- really does require about eight hours. For most of the population, there's like maybe 4% of the global population that actually does require less sleep. But for most people, that's what their brains need to actually go through all the right cycles to, to totally reset. So anyways, I'm on a big sleep kick right now. I'm like, yeah. everyone should be sleeping. This is great. <laughs> Stop what you're you doing should go right to bed. now. <laughs> Get in bed right now. <laughs> but it's something that even in college, I always had a, a real, like I never let school make demands on my on me that I would give my sleep up for. You know, even like papers or exams, if I was studying, I'd think, well, screw it. I've already messed up like to this point. I might as well go to bed and just like at least have a good night's sleep rather than just stay up and pull an all-nighter on this paper or an all-nighter on my project and to kind of crank it out at the last time. And I would just take the L and just like maybe I would do a little bit worse. But at least I was, it, it helped put boundaries on my life that was, I think, really, really helpful. So that was a habit that I've always had and then, I find out, you know, by reading this book that it's a healthy one. So anyways, that's one. I love running, though. Uh, running's a big restorative activity for me. I like long-distance running. People in my house regularly uh, accuse me of being a masochist for wake, <laughs> waking up at obscene hours and running obscene miles. What's the farthest uh, you've gone? Ever? Yeah, in one, in one go. In one go? I mean, define one go. I'm, I'm defining that as in one day. Have you one done a day. marathon before? I've never run an official marathon. No, I don't. But you've run twenty six miles in a day. Nice. Yeah, I've run, I've, I've run more than that in a day. Ooh. But <laughs> we got a real run. Taking taking some times off, <laughs> take some breaks. I love uh, you know some friends and I. We've gone up and run like all of Pictured Rocks, uh, at times. Nice. And uh, so I just any any anything outside. I love being outside. That's like hugely restorative. I, my life gets really bad when I spend most of it inside. Yeah, <laughs> same for me. Yeah. I definitely, uh, you know, just being able to be outside, it, it recharges you. Yeah. It, it helps. It literally feels like plugging yourself into the world. Yeah. And just like breathing it's in great. green. Uh, and that's how I see it is like, if I can see green and be outside, <laughs> like, ah, oh, it just feels so nice. This is a tough place to live in Michigan in the dead <laughs> of winter. <laughs> yeah, we're approaching the dead zone. It's October right now. Yeah. But, I mean, th- so anyways, uh, sleep and running and I love reading. I like, you know, I try to, f- I, have a, I have so many good relationships and friends of mine that I like, there's something about getting, having the right friendships and relationships that I can be restored in that I just have to make sure I prioritize them and, and kind of look out like, hey, it's been actually a while since I've just gotten some time with this family member. I just want to spend time with them. Like the way that they interact with me strengthens me in a way that man i can't manufacture that some other way mm-hmm. you know or like a friend of mine from college or high school or something like that i try to be intentional with the with those because i find that to be very stabilizing really grounding for me i'm really curious if we went back 
into your earlier life, like you mentioned high school friends, yeah. where did you grow up and what, what kind of led you, it doesn't have to be long, it could be long or short, what kind of led you to where you are, any big foundational early life things? Maybe that's a huge broad question. Yeah, I mean, well, I grew up not in Michigan, which uh-huh. always surprises people because I grew up in Georgia but have no accent, so usually when I meet people I have to apologize right away because I don't have an accent. I could talk like this if you really want me to, though. <laughs> I could do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I'm from, Will, I'm from Georgia. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be Wanna nice. Be, can you be my friend? <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, make some peanuts. Uh, so I grew up in Georgia, but I moved here to Ann Arbor to go to the music school. I got a degree in audio production uh, and recording engineering. And um, they had a cool program here. That was the only reason I came, uh, was moving to uh, U of M because they had a a program where you're enrolled in the school of music and you have to be enrolled in the school of engineering. And then you kind of enrolled to this, um, honors college, basically it's called the uh, performing arts technology program. And then, uh, I ended up getting a degree in that, but it's a unique program. So that's why I moved all the way up here and paid the out of state tuition joy. And, uh, but while I was here at college, um, really, I mean, my experience of the world was, man, I could just, be anybody. I could do whatever I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. And that was super freeing. And I uh, remember like early on in my freshman year thinking like, man, what kind of man do I want to be? And uh, I hadn't really grown up uh, with many Christian friends or like, you know, much influence uh, from, from men or women that I really admired that were, were were Christians. And, uh, but quickly I saw uh, a group of guys following Jesus that I just thought, man, that's a beautiful life. Actually, I want some. They've got something that I really want, and it was joy, and it was a, a freedom that they had. And uh, so, anyways, I really encountered Christ through UCOs, a group of UCO guys, and through I, that same community that you're describing yeah, that I've that I've been working for now yeah. for the last ten right. years, and uh, just thought, man, I want to whatever they got, I want to steal it. So, <laughs> ended up doing it, and it really wrecked the rest of my life. My experience was I had my life all put together. I met the Jesus and then everything got really destroyed from there. And now here I am as a, working as a missionary. And, uh, as you mentioned, I am part of a religious brotherhood that, uh, will never get married for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it's, it's a unique title. I, I love it. Honestly. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's a really joyful and great life. Uh-huh. Yeah, that must have been hard though, because I'm in a similar time of life, you know, 21, early yeah. 20s, where it's like, I could do anything. Who do I want to be? Yeah. To like take what you've worked for through college, music, you got the degree in like yeah. music technology. You can go anywhere with that. As, as far as career, getting a degree from U of M, it's really great. But then to kind of like actually mission. Yeah. Like what went into that decision? Uh, I mean, it sounds like a cop out answer, but really just the Lord. I, it was a calling. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't get away from this idea that, yeah, I could probably go make music for the rest of my life and that'd be good. But I could also for the rest of my life, connect people to what makes music powerful. And that's great. <laughs> like that's actually a more, I'm more interested in connecting people to the source, not to just some expression of the source. I mean, I think, I mean, I still love music and I think it's a great thing. I still love the fact I get to make a lot of it and and do a lot with that. But the main driving force is actually how do I get people to the thing that makes music insane and powerful? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that makes it a little bit easier that. (laughs) Hey man, uh, my hands are tied. (laughs) I was called. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we, it was definitely something I had to reckon with. Uh That's pretty neat. So, so do you plan to be where you're at? Um, here as like the, the chapter leader here is this where you want to be yeah or? for like long term or something mm-hmm. more than 10 years i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, possibly i mean really i'm at the stage where wherever there's a need i'm happy to be there yeah that's that's an interesting like state of mind because like for me someone who's just like i've been in a business world that's like all mm-hmm. i know so like just staying in one spot especially like for me early on yeah um is just like the feeling of like complacency would set in for me. Definitely. Um, and, and then like, maybe I'm not reaching or doing as much as I can be doing, but it seems like you're, you're in a total different lane. 
um, where it's not about like moving up or doing more. It's just doing as much as you can um, where you're at. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that's probably the same for you, though. I mean, it's not like that's unique. We have this thought where in order for us to be growing, we have to always go somewhere and do something rather than actually maximize our immediate surroundings. And I think it's the same for this, you know, for my life is, man, am I actually responding fully to the opportunities I have right now? And I would say no. <laughs> like there's daily where I'm just thinking, man, I missed that opportunity or that could have been great or I could have like, you know, served this guy better or I could have done this thing, you know, more faithfully or something like that. Um, that helps me not kind of live in this like, man, one day once I have that, I'm going to get to like really be maximizing myself. No, I just want to help you know, figure out how I do that right now uh, where, I, where I'm at and do that to the you know most faithful fullness uh, that I can. Yeah, that's, no, that's neat. I like that. Maximizing your surroundings. Maximize your potential. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like the first bullet point. I feel like you're talking about success. Everyone, it's like a platitude. Everyone jumps at <laughs> or momentum. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of success, um, and what is that to you? What is your definition of success? Oh man, I don't know how to define. I mean, I feel like you got to define success is so that really depends on the circumstance that you're in and. I mean, so the de the the uh, dictionary like response of oh, let's of, go. of success is just the completion of a goal. Okay. Um, there you go. So on this on this uh, podcast, we've had various answers, such as um, uh, Nate Kimball's was just being in the moment, just being nice. present. Um, I think so. My definition of success at the time was just um, finding fulfillment in what I'm doing. And then we've had we've had others other answers. Uh, John Kazanjian's was um, just being kingdom focused. And nice, cool. So it can be wherever you're at. What is success to you right yeah, now? Yeah, because yeah. It, it's the the goal can always change. Yeah, right? I'd imagine if we had some of those guys on in five years, you know what I mean? They'd be like, well, before it was this. We can kind of we could bounce off of it. It's no right answer. Yeah, exactly. It's and that's what's kind of beautiful about the question in a way. So what is most important to you? What are you, you striving go. for most? Yeah. I mean, I would say that is the person of Jesus Christ only. <laughs> I Once I met Jesus and I've started reading the Bible on my own, I couldn't get over what I found. And I, for, from that moment on, I like, couldn't shake wanting to, to understand and be closer to and living more fully for that. So, I mean, that's like the big <laughs> picture. And then, I don't know, maybe in the next, by God's grace, in the next, if you if we have another podcast in 20 years, I'll be <laughs> saying the same thing. Uh, but figuring out, you know, I, I like the question of like, well, <clears throat> you know, how do you then work from that, like, you know, meta goal <laughs> to like actually like, what does that mean in normal life? Yeah, like what is the micro to the macro answer? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. the, I don't know. The one that I was telling Alden about, though, that when I, I don't consider myself a hyper successful person. I think I've learned a lot, but the most of the way I learned to be successful is I just failed a lot. <laughs> I was saying, I want to hear what you guys, what you guys think about failure on this podcast of success. Yeah, we don't talk about that. No, we don't, we don't talk about failure a lot, but um, I like failure. Yeah. I, I really do. Uh, I think failure really creates and is helps mold you who you are and it, it molds your successes. Yeah. So what, what has failure done or what role has failure done in your, in your life? I mean, it's made me who I am. Like I, uh, I am so, I feel so privileged that I grew up in a family that like my, my father especially like really taught me to just like almost find failure fascinating and to not be afraid of making mistakes to yeah. like, in some ways, make them boldly and then figure out, okay, what just happened there? And, uh, man, I'm so thankful for that mentality. Cause it's, it, you know, we just talked about me being a missionary, talking about being a musician, talking about me having a beard, <laughs> each one of those things I have failed so many times at. Yeah, look <laughs> like, at my face. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, my definition of failure right here. Let's see. Oh. Zoom back to will 2008. Uh, no shave november was the first time i ever tried to grow a beard and it was a total failure <laughs> i like couldn't grow anything it was like it just sucked 
but now I've, you know, whatever, put my mind to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maximize my <laughs> surroundings. <laughs> and I have More a beard. power to the face. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, uh, that's just a funny example that I guess came to my mind right now. But, uh, and I, I, any musician, like you can't, you can't grow in like a musical instrument unless you're re- willing to kind of suck yeah. for a long time. I, I'll sit down with someone at the piano and I, I'm, I didn't study music uh-huh. like at a college. So I'm, I don't have that level of musicianship, mm-hmm. but we'll sit down and someone will be like, I don't want I don't even want to try. And I'm like, you, like you have to make sounds. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you don't just sit down and make sounds and like, mis- like mistake confidently. I, honestly, like earlier on in my life, I, it's, I, I have an aversion to wanting to make mistakes. My natural, I think my very nat human nature is makes, is that you should making mistakes is good to grow, but that was not me growing up. Growing yes. up, I would make mistakes and I would feel this weight yeah, shame. and it's, it's a shame of failing. Yeah. And so that's something I've had to grow out of mm-hmm. and, and learn to grow out of by having conversations like these. Mm. And piano is one of those things where I can very confidently point to and be like, no, mistakes are very good. Yeah. You know, but that wasn't always the case in my life and still isn't in some cases. But that's always an example. Music is yeah. an example you can go back to and be like, if you're going to create something beautiful, you have to, like if you're going to draw and paint, you can't just create a masterpiece out of nothing. Yep. And it and it helps you realize like, OK, where's the where's the limit of your potential at that time? You know, so like uh, I, I used to play viola. And uh, I remember I, my viola teacher taught me how to fail well, <laughs> where she would, you know, we'd be playing through a piece. And if I got to a, a section that I hadn't really practiced and I wasn't quite ready for it, she'd be like, no, stop. That wasn't right. You kind of work on it. And, and again, we'd kind of be like interested in, OK, what is it that's tripping me up right here? Um, because if I just ignored it and we just kind of I kept playing it like that every time, it just gets you just start doing that. And then like you just mess up more and more. But when you actually stop and say, Okay, nope, I just failed. What do I do? Like what why am I doing this? How do I slow it down yeah. and kind of practice rather than just try to ignore it if it, you know, if it goes wrong. So there's definitely a lot of lessons to be gained through a uh, good uh you know, music teachers around the world, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I would definitely say that like in like when I'm doing stuff specifically in the business world, I huh. I learn so much more upon my failures rather than my successes. Yeah. Like so much more. And oftentimes like if I'm, if I'm jumping into a new field and I like see instant success, even though I might be like a step ahead of others, I, I know significantly less because I haven't failed enough. Yeah. And, and I know that, that I'm just sitting on like this really short ledge where someone who has failed a lot has learned way more lessons from me. And then, his ledge is much larger yeah. and he'll be able to use that and leverage it in such a quicker way, even yep. though he's experienced those failures or whatnot. Yeah. So I, whenever I do fail, I, I definitely try and uh, cherish those failures and most specifically learn from them and, and find takeaways from them Yeah. because every, every failure, there's so much to learn from. Yeah. What's the, what are some of the best lessons you've learned in failing? In in specifically like the business world, or? any any world, <laughs> any any world. life world, <laughs> the world we inhabit. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, no, I think it's 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 important to maintain like to to maintain a balance between just like being confident mm-hmm. and then also like not being overconfident. Yeah, finding finding a balance between that because. Um, Oftentimes you're able to fill in the gaps of knowledge and, um, and experience with confidence, but oftentimes you can take it just a little too far and then your, your, your floor falls beneath you. Yeah. The old, uh, competence, confidence, confidence, uh, uh, conundrum or no, what is it? Uh, continuum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. you're either competent and you actually have real skills or you're confident in it, <laughs> but you don't maybe have the, the confidence. <laughs> yeah. For sure. What uh, what are some lessons, or what is a lesson that you've learned? Oh man, you're asking me that question. <laughs> I'll go first. I'm right back. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Besides my beard story, I thought that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough, right? That's what you thought about your beard back then. <laughs> I had a work incident this year that was, it it was focused on communicating better with yeah. the homeowners because I work in roofing and construction. 
communicating better with the homeowners because what they call something might not necessarily be what you call it. Yeah. So we lost out on, basically we did a job where they wanted us to remove a couple of chimneys from the roof and it ended up being that their definition of chimney was different than mine. Ah. So we started to take down their brick chimneys when all they wanted was us to take down just a couple little <laughs> oh, like PVC yeah. <laughs> vents. <laughs> and admit like I should have just checked. There's so many opportunities. We even went inside and they were like, it's right around here, but they went into like where the actual brick chimney was, uh -oh. you know, in both cases it was like close to the other one. So when they pointed from the inside, I was like, mm -hmm. all right, we're talking mm -hmm. about the chimney. Right. And we ended up, uh, we still like made money on the job, but not, you know, it, it was like a thousands of dollars mistake yes. that I'm just like, I could have just in the moment, you know, r the brick one, right. One word would have yeah. the whole thing. And, and that's kind of, obviously they've made a lot of mistakes in my personal life as well. Um, but that's just one that comes to mind immediately as far that's as a like, good, that's a good example. Like, man, <laughs> now I know if someone calls something, I'm like, I'm going to double check that. Cause oh, if you're not on the same page of what something means, you know? Yep. I used to run, uh, do, I did a lot of landscaping uh, in high school and in college, actually. In the summers, we started up a la landscaping company here to employ guys who were living in our houses, our UCO houses in the summer. And uh, man, I have so many communication fails <laughs> where I just didn't clarify what the, you know, the customer wanted. And like, there's this one woman who asked us to like, uh, like get all the weeds out of the section of her, of her yard it turns out like she wanted to keep all the like wildflowers that had grown up. And like, we just thought she meant like take out whatever, like wasn't, you know, this, like the main shrubbery that she had. So we just cleared everything. Oh, <laughs> it was like Ooh. a major disaster. Communication is the basis of all relationships. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so easy to have that fall down right in front of you. Yeah. I painted the wrong shed one time. <laughs> <laughs> Just the totally wrong one. There were two sheds behind the duplex. Okay. And it was just that at that address, supposed to paint one of the sheds. I was like, okay, probably that one. This <laughs> <laughs> one looks crappy. <laughs> I painted it halfway, like all, 80% of the way through. Uh, the guy comes out, he's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so mad. That's almost on him, though. <laughs> Not know. really. It really was. It was one of those things where I called my boss in the moment he didn't pick up. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. Make a call. Yeah, I'm making a I'm, call. You know what? I felt pretty good about it, too. But like, Feeling confident? Feeling, yeah, you got the exactly. high in confidence, but low in competence. <laughs> oh, it was so unfortunate. Did he get two painted sheds out of the deal? He did. Oh, He nice. did get two painted sheds, and my wallet suffered pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty significantly on that one. That's good. It's so funny. It's really good. It's one of those things like that's what's fun about learning about failure is it hurts so bad in the, in the moment. Oh, then, it never and is And then like enjoyable. a year later, you're like, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets either funny or at least you come out and you're like, man, I really grew in that in that moment. You know, if if you really took responsibility for that fail, I think that's the heart. I mean, that's what sucks about failing is you always have this moment where you can go on the defensive, you know, take your shed example. You could have been like, Bro, you should have told me, like, you know, rather than yeah. just saying, you're right, <laughs> I'm painting the wrong I don't shed. I remember how I reacted. Sure. I probably just, like, exhaled. <laughs> Very <just> yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's, like, all the, the major mistakes and stuff that I've I've had. The, the part that's hardest is actually taking full responsibility when that happens. But, like, that's the thing where, like, man, if I didn't have my father to, like, help teach me how to do that and, like, show me how to do that in his own life... I don't know how you learn that. <laughs> like yeah. I just like, I saw a man like work through like, Oh, I don't know how to fix this thing. Or I just broke, you know, we're trying to fix a lawnmower and it just broke even more. Like, Oh, we just, we just failed at that. What do we need now to learn to, to be able to do that next time? Uh, I don't, without having seen that in other people, I don't know how I would have ever yeah. learned to learn how to do it that. It seems like something that has to be modeled. Yeah. Like it has to be shown how to, it's cause it's a response. Yep to something that happens. Something happens, there's a response to it. And if your entire life, you're like, yeah, I don't know if you naturally come out of that and being like, you know what, let's do it a different way. Like if it's not yeah. shown to you. Yep. I think it's I think it's taught most effectively by example, but it can also uh -huh. be learned through different avenues. Yes. I think uh, more more recently, I read the book um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Mm, yeah. That's a good one. Okay. And uh, his, obviously, his thesis of the book is that you need to be able to take extreme ownership of everything in your life in order to really um, reach whatever full potential you're going to get to. Um, okay. And, and I think he does a really good job in the book explaining that 
um, and how it's important to when you do mess up, you have to take that ownership. Yes, you have to take um, you have to take that ego aside and mm-hmm. um, work to move forward and learn from it, yep. rather than try and just protect whatever ego, whatever it, it is that you yeah. are. Because yep. it's never easy to take a, a failure, um, but you need to co- go into it with humility. Yeah, which is super important. Yeah, but hard. <laughs> yeah, it's not not and easy. Like, just gaining humility right away is not how it works. Oftentimes, it's no. like, it takes real, uh, it takes real real work. And I, you know, I think of like a lot of the the most uncomfortable, you know, times I've really failed is in relationships and with people. It's like, man, I just said that thing again. Like, I can't believe it. And in those moments, it's so easy just to be like. Uh, that's on them to like to deal with this or and uh something i've really come to love about being a christian has been is this practice of being very active in confessing and turning away from our failings what we call sin uh I've, i've like come to really love the fact that in christianity the very foundation is we have all failed at such fundamental levels but uh if we look to, uh, if we recognize and actually take responsibility for that failure, we can actually turn from it. It's ne- we're never defined by our failures, actually, until everything's over and we're all, you know, we're all before the throne at the end of days. Uh, we all have a moment where we can say, what am I going to do? Am I going to actually take responsibility and turn from this failing or am I going to get defensive? You know, and that, man, I feel that in myself all the time. And every moment I can like say, nope. I did it again. I just effed up. <laughs> How do I take ownership of that? Say that I'm sorry or take responsibility for, you know, like and another example that comes to my mind was this summer I made a big financial mistake. I like, did not calculate a budget correctly. And like a bunch of the guys that were, were living with me all had to pay more money because of it. And it was not fun. But <laughs> I realized, man, I just made a mistake here and really failed th- these guys and actually giving them the right information for, for our, our housing and it was terrible, but now I understand how budgeting works a lot. <laughs> how do I make sure I do all my Excel spreadsheet to make sure it all calculates properly? <laughs> no, I actually like had the same sort of issue budgeting this year. Like oh I gosh. was, I had set up something and then I had completely forgotten like a major part of the budget that was like 25% of the budget. Yep. We just, we just had to eat that. And it yep. was, it was, it was not easy going to, all of the people around me, I'm like, yeah, I completely messed this up. Yep. But now every time you make a new budget, you're going to be thinking, oh, what about this? Like, exactly. key, key, are you going to take a step back and you're going to have this knowledge base to kind of draw on and say, have I really made account for everything that's going to demand money? You know, that's this? difficult for me though. Being like now every, it seems to add pressure to like not do it again. To me, ah, yeah. it feels like just more and more like ballooning pressure like now you really can't make that mistake instead of like, now I know it can be a peaceful thing. Like I imagine it can be a peaceful thing, but oftentimes it'll just be a mounting pressure of like, now if you mess up, it'll be way worse because you should have known. If you've already made a mistake. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Like, it's interesting. And I wonder, do you have any thoughts on like, I mean, so when I make that mistake in an ideal world, I'm, I'm, I have enough humility to actually look at the bigger picture and try and learn something from it. So then I'm not in a point of like extreme stress when it does, when it does come back around to make that mistake again. But I have confidence from the lesson I've learned to just proceed in, in the best possible way. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. that's in an ideal situation. I've certainly <laughs> right. been on both sides of, of that, course. of that side. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Like, yeah. If you it, keep so failing drawing on the area. confidence is drawing on the confidence of that mistake instead of like seeing it as it's like, how you internalize yeah. it, basically. When I, and this is, I mean, going back to what you were asking me about, how do I be a missionary for 10 years? And I was saying you kind of take time and you return to your first principles. I think whenever we fail, even if it's like the 16th time we failed on a budget or something like that, or the, you know, the 70th time that we've said the wrong thing to a friend of ours, what it requires is us taking a step back and asking, okay, what's going on here? You know, or it's the same part of that piece that we've been practicing on piano and we mess, that up, mess up the same thing. What it takes is us take step, taking a step back and asking, okay, what am I doing this for? <laughs> you know, am I actually learning this lesson? Am, am I st- or am I reinforcing this failing because I, you know, am refusing to learn something am I, and have, having real humility and reckoning with who I am? 
you know, maybe you're not good at making budgets. So part of the way you learn from that is saying, okay, this is seventh time I've, you know, screwed a customer over. I'm going to need to hire somebody to actually run my budget or something like that. You know, that's real humility is you're not, you know, your own weaknesses and strengths. You're not trying to pretend like you're someone you're not. Uh, exactly. I think that makes, I think that's the foundation of what makes a good leader, knowing what, what sure. you can and can't do and yeah. knowing how, how to move forward with that. Yeah. And lead, I mean, something that, that I find very, I've had to really work on in the last five years being a director in some ways is actually recognizing my weaknesses as a leader and trying to find other people that can, that are better in that area and surround myself with them and build others up in that, in that way. Exactly. That, that sucks. <laughs> I don't, that's not fun when it, when you're doing it, but man, it's, it has brought so much more joy and life for me now that I don't, you know, I have people that I can trust in areas where I don't trust myself actually. That's great. But when, man, when you're failing habitually in an area, it can be very discouraging. It's easy to get caught in the trenches. Yeah. And just, it's hard. I mean, everything around you is just a wall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Momentum. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, figure out to how to build up, build <laughs> it up. <laughs> man. That's very interesting. <clears throat> I've had some, it's, I had a situation this week where I, very much messed up communication with uh, just someone in my life. And it's, it hurts a lot knowing that you really just screwed up. Mm -hmm. You have to come clean and really just like, so I, that's kind of fresh on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, ouch. Yeah. And that's where like, man, when we experience uh, that failing and we take real responsibility for it, when we then find forgiveness and like reconciliation in either in that relationship or in whatever the other context is right, where we fail, right. uh, it then empowers us to do that same thing for others when they, you know, mess up with us. And, uh, man, that's a principle that can be very costly, but also really, uh, empowering. I mean, I just think of like people that when you're, when you're surrounding yourself with people that, you know, when you mess up, like they'll forgive you, man, there's nothing better than that. <laughs> You know, but when you feel like you're in an environment where everything's being kind of calculated and like every little screw up that is getting kind of recorded and like remembered and held on to, like there's nothing that destroys productivity and hinders success, I would say, than that, you know, and probably in the business world, just as much as the missionary world for me. <laughs> like uh, if yeah. you have an environment where people are afraid of failing, it it stops like all of the kind of different forms of success that might be happening in that environment, if people are like, they don't really think if they make a mistake, they can recover from it. And so we really want to have, I long to have environments where uh, college students can come in and just actually realize, man, we're not defined by our failures, but we can make, we can say the wrong thing. We can communicate the wrong thing. We can fail at budgets. We can do all of this and then ask the question, okay, what do I do now? Actually, how do I take responsibility for this? How do I move through it rather than running away from it, which it's so easy to. Absolutely. So, so your, um, your main calling is built on, I feel like at, a, at its core is just relationships. Yeah. Is just, you're bridging the gap between, um, the student to, and, and you're creating like a bridge to the access to Christ. Yeah. I mean, I talk about it as we're never in the program business. We're in the people business and it's a very humble one because we are just the middlemen. <laughs> like I'm just like a, you know, a, a sales guy <laughs> who's, <laughs> you know, trying to sell some product. Amen, but brother. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm not, I'm not the thing itself and I'm not the customer. I'm not like these students. I can't like force God to do something and I can't, I shouldn't. <laughs> Missionaries should not force people just to become, you know, followers of Christ, but actually we just try to introduce both of them. And then get out of the way oftentimes and just like sit there and help help that connection be built. But yeah, it's not about you ever. It's it, But it's completely built on, um, I feel like, communication. Yes. And and I think that we can always learn a thing or two about communication. <laughs> and so I'm, hurt, so I'm told from <laughs> my brothers and sisters who are married, <laughs> it's all about communication. <laughs> They're like, ah, dodged a bullet. Everything, <laughs> everything is built on communication. What are some, what are some real lessons that you've learned um, from your experience in um, successes or failures yeah. on communication? Uh, man, 
something I think really from my childhood that helped me was uh, I had parents, really my whole family culture was one that we were very active in like just talking very openly about what, you know, we were thinking and frustrated by and hurt, you know, and um, there was something in the way that I grew up where I was, I developed a strength of having, you know, uh, private speaking. I don't know. Uh, you know, we talk, a lot of people in su- in success circles talk about the art of public speaking where you're, you're delivering a message to a lot of people. And that's great. It's a good skill. But actually, I would say the first most important skill is the art of private speaking. <laughs> like, how do you how do you speak very openly with people closest to you, people that you really love, people that you're vulnerable with? Um, that's the first, uh, the real foundation of communication, I would say, above, I'm not a good public speaker. I've grown in public speaking. That's another thing I failed at a lot. <laughs> uh, so that's something I've, I've actually grown and probably am much more successful now than I, than I, I was, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. But it really wouldn't mean much if I didn't, if I wasn't able to actually communicate well with the people closest to me. So that's probably the first step (laughs) that I've found is like be really quick to protect and maintain open, vulnerable, good relationships with the people closest to you. Learn to speak very openly and honestly there. And then maybe that rubs off in broader settings, you know, in business settings and in other relationships and things like that. No, that that's super powerful. I uh, that's definitely something that I have been like outwardly working to get better at because yeah. it's it's uncomfortable at times to like have a person that you're close with and just have that harder conversation. Definitely, because it's just easier to just avoid it or just let it try and just let it pass or whatever. Yep. But it really is important because it's going to come back up. Yeah, it might not come up next week, next month, but it's going to come up and it's going to hinder things further down the line. Yep. Yep. And then I just think if if yeah, you learn to communicate well in that context, man, it bleeds over into everything. You know, it becomes that much easier than to have that hard conversation with your manager when, you know, you're really frustrated about something with your work or it's, you know, something where you're making a presentation to a board and, you know, you all of a sudden realize, man, I don't have to, you know, put on some fake thing <laughs> here, but I can actually just be myself actually in front of these people that I'm very intimidated by. But because I've done that in all these smaller contexts, I actually have a strength there to do it in a, in a bigger yeah. one, maybe in a more pressured one. Can't, can't tell you how many people I've seen who are like, they just don't want to pick up the phone. That's just a very small mm. example of, not, yeah. they just don't want to talk to people on the phone. Not having the confidence to do that is they don't have as much confidence to, speak to whoever. Oh my gosh. And then from there, if you're able to speak to whoever, then you can get into more difficult conversations with people. But it really has to be like a, a ground up yep. building blocks, like you're yep. saying. And that brings up a whole area of fail for me. Uh, <laughs> and part of, part of my, as a, as a missionary, what we do is to, to cover our living expenses, we raise our salaries by talking to people and asking if they want to join our like partners, partnership team where they support us, help raise our salary and a lot of that's done over the phone. And man, I've had terrible phone calls. <laughs> I've like come away and just thought, man, I didn't communicate anything clearly in that phone call. <laughs> and of course they don't want to talk to me now, <laughs> you know. And uh, man, that learning to do fundraising in that context uh, was one of the one of the bigger successes of my last five years, really. You know, now I've raised my salary for five years straight uh, by having generous brothers and sisters, people in my life that believe in what I'm doing and believe in our ministry. Um, but it's forced me to handle communicating with them. And sometimes that's meant I've had to, you know, apologize when I've not communicated about what I've been doing and, you know, what their funds and their support have been helping me to do. And uh, that wasn't fun, but again, it's really helped me in some ways be that much more faithful and generous with, with those supporters with with my brothers and sisters who are who are supporting our work in that way mm-hmm. so anyways the phone calls <laughs> i've had a lot of awkward bad phone calls in my <laughs> I day i feel like it's really easy to have <laughs> awkward phone calls just <laughs> that that face-to-face interaction can sometimes really help seriously like fold over the awkwardness but when you're on your phone you're just you're just like staring at a wall it's hard to make that connection yep. especially when 
when neither of you want to talk to each other really yep. and you just kind of got to cover something and yep or screwing up a voicemail message <laughs> <laughs> where you're like you start and it's going okay and then you just mess up the last 10 seconds real you just bad. get really lost and then <laughs> you're, you're just, just like, like okay bye <laughs> you're like, oh no that's etched in the history books they could listen back back <laughs> five times if they want to do show it to people uh, in the office oh man i worked in customer support for a while um yeah, I, I had my fair share of awkward phone calls. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Yeah, but I'm sure. Uh, it, but if if you step back and said, okay, what am I learning from some of these phone calls that are going poorly? You're probably a lot better at actually dealing with maybe people who don't know how to talk on the phone. Very well. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to say yeah, but yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. When I was working in, uh, I was working in the office at the roofing place, uh, just answering phone calls. Every every single person who came. Who, called the company as the first contact i was the one to talk to them i got really good at like, mm-hmm. talking to them as if they're you know they're a homeowner categorizing people and it's really fascinating and that helped me tremendously getting back out into the working world when i started to meet people face to face it was kind of weird i like started really high and then had a big dip and then went you know huh. kind of got because like i was fresh off of talking to people for an entire year on the phone uh-huh. and, like, hearing their problems and hearing kind of and then like it was so seamless the mm. transition and then it made a ton of mistakes in person to then now mm. get back up to the momentum. It's yep. really, really interesting. Yep. Um, just how that all played out this whole like, last year. Yep. So are you guys succeeding with your podcast on success? Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait, we asked the question. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the, the whole point of this podcast is to hear people tell their stories and um, through that find success, um, find out people's like what success is to them. How and they so define it. Exactly. Yeah. So so then through this, we've been able to hear from a bunch of different people um, so far and, and we're looking forward as we schedule more guests um, to hear their story as well. So I would say, yes, we're, we're in the process of um, success. Let's go. Yeah. There's no <laughs> success to us. This is a meta. Success meta to us is when we're in the success. room, <laughs> sitting, sitting in the room with people yeah. having the conversation. It's not about the numbers. It's not about like we're at the point in the numbers where you could have sponsorships even. Wow. Let's go. Like you could, it's nothing huge, like, you know, <laughs> 20 bucks an episode. You know what I mean? An episode, but like, we don't want to do that. Like we're like, let's focus on, like content the, or people the content and the editing and all of that. Mm-hmm. Let's see who we can get on as many people as possible. Um, it, it, you know, that's, what's fun. That's yeah. what to me that the, having the conversations is success is sitting in a room for 58 minutes now and just, <laughs> just, just talking, just connecting yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a way that we probably wouldn't normally connect in because no one normally just sits down on a regular basis and has a 45 an hour long conversation. Yeah. Having would, a mic. I would hope people do that. Honestly, well, don't. not enough. <laughs> not enough. Yeah. Maybe having a mic, having the headset and just sitting around where it's like, we have a designated time frame to sit and talk. Yeah. And like, you can have that over dinner, but people generally get antsy or, you know, AD <laughs> yes. and move around. But like, until you take off the headset, we're yes. talking. <laughs> no, isn't that, <laughs> You're isn't talking that funny? With us. <laughs> like we have this, we've, we're at this place in our society where like, we we have the very thing that like everybody's always had but like we've we have this now tool to capture it in a way and that's what i love about podcasts it's like you can sit in on conversations that you have no right to be a part of and that's exciting i think that's a i mean that's how most ideas were translated and communicated throughout history was just through people conversing right arguing with one another pushing back on different ideas that's where podcasting's yeah. like the most exciting i think is when it just captures raw conversation and then you just put people in the middle of it that shouldn't be there yeah totally know? agree for most of human history you had to be in the room yep yep the room so shocking now <laughs> so shocking like yep. you listen to i probably just today i've seen videos and listened to audio from places all over the world where it was recorded and yep like insane amounts and there's a kind of like uh there's a lot less to hide behind when it's just a conversation and and you know, much less edited than, you know, most things that you get on, on the kind of major news sources right now. And that's where I think it, there's also a real power to it where you can get into these long form ideas that take more than 58 minutes to communicate. You know, I love the like, you know, five, six hour podcast where it's just like people hashing out something uh, altogether. That's the stuff that I get really geeked by. 
<laughs> well, we can go another five hours. Let's go. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> you heard my cry. <laughs> hint, hint. That's my success right now. I'm just going to get on a five-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. It's been fun. Absolutely. Hopefully, this was a successful episode about success. It's about failure, honestly. That's right. Actually, we, we pretty much established what success is to you, like pretty early on, even without asking. I don't even yeah. have to ask you if you're successful because you're that's living right. it. You know? That's right. So Live the dream, even, baby. That question. <laughs> but um, it's a good place to be. <laughs> thank you for yeah. joining us. This was really, really fun. Cool. You're definitely living a lifestyle um, that not many people live. And so I'm, I'm sure at least for me, myself and uh, the other listeners, uh, we're, it's interesting to hear someone who is just completely comfortable and is present at where they're at. Mm. And not a lot of people are not always. A lot of people are always looking for the next thing, looking to move forward. But but you're you're completely comfortable at where you're at. You're, you found your your fulfillment and uh, you're living in it. Yeah. And I, um, by God's grace, man, I hope I continue to grow too. I mean, I, yeah. there's areas where I, man, I wish Absolutely. I was more, you know, better at, I wish I had more skills and giftings, but there's a, there's definitely, uh, you were saying that this was Nate Kimball's um, definition of success, like living in the present or something like that. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I think, you know, but uh, there's something of the reality of what I'm living for of like the kingdom, you know, as uh, John's, said or uh, it's both here now but it's also to come and like i both like am, am happy to be here now but actually i'm also looking ahead and it's this interesting tension that i really come to love which is like man i i'm glad to be where i am in my life right now but actually i want more i mostly want more of you know the lord i want to see him more i want to understand him more but i also want to see god's kingdom come on earth more i don't you know i'm not comfortable with where we're at on that and that in that level so there's a strange tension that I've really come to love, which is like both being present now and being like in some ways comfortable there, but also longing for more. And there's, in, there's a beautiful middle ground there that I've, I'm hoping I can continue to live in. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I like that. Maybe someday I'll get there. Amen. Oh man. <laughs> there's only one way I've found so far. <laughs> yeah. Keep trying, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much I can try is the problem. <laughs> Oh man! Um, anything else? Any parting words? Do you want to share any words to the, the people out there? Parting gifts. Uh, get out there and fail some. <laughs> or should I? Uh, it's this uh, Martin Luther quote. We you know he says, uh, "When you sin, sin boldly, but then repent all the more boldly." All the more boldly. <laughs> it's a uh, so I don't know. I would say like, yeah, if people are listening to this to succeed. I'd say figure out something to to fail at. You know, tomorrow. And do that and figure out what you can learn from it. There's this, I don't, I, I don't, don't know where I heard this, but there's this whole like um, failing therapy that people have to do sometimes where you like, they're assigned to like go fail this number of times in a day to like help them become less afraid of fail of failure. Maybe we should tell, tell your listeners to do that. I want to try that. <laughs> Dude, I want to hear more about yeah. that. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> that can be in the next episode. We can, uh, we can okay, all, sure, sure. We, we can, can do one of these, like we failed every day for th 30 days and here's what we learned episodes. Is, <laughs> it, a, is it a book? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm sure someone's written a book. People There's, write books about everything. There are a bunch of Gen Z, the Gen Z titles <laughs> of like, so I failed three. They yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I failed 30 days in a row. Here's the results. Yeah, maybe that's a future cool. episode. I like that. There's this guy um, that I know. Uh, he's actually like making a TikTok series on it. But he used to he used to work with me, and uh, he he does this thing. It's called rejection therapy. That's what it is. That's the thing I was trying to think of. Oh, is rejection it? therapy? So, yeah. So he's been doing this for like over 200 days now, where he just goes somewhere hoping to get rejected. Uh huh. Um, and so like the first 50 days, super awkward. Like he just wasn't comfortable, and he yep. was just getting rejected all of these times. And but now at this point, he is almost like excited when he gets rejected yes. like he's able to just receive it in a way that like me personally i would struggle yeah like, receiving that rejection yep uh, and he's able and, and there are some one-off times where he's kind of doing some cool things um yeah. which, which is kind of fun yeah but it's it's really an interesting uh sort of way to approach things yep like wow. hoping for that rejection yep. i really want to check that out that sounds so therapeutic yeah wow yeah. <laughs> that sounds really cool <laughs> That's pretty neat. Let's put the description link in the description. Yeah, I'll like. drop it. Yeah. <laughs>
Cool, guys. Cool. Hey, um, thank you so much. Yeah. Good time. You're and welcome. Maybe we can do an episode two very soon. That's right. Yeah. Let's hear from the people. All right. <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Pursuing Success. We hope that you enjoyed, and we also hope that you will... Can you drop a follow, John? Is that possible? You can follow, you can like, you can comment, depending nice. on what avenue you listen to your podcasts on, whether it's Join. Spotify, Google, Apple, Ad Friend, Odyssey. Uh, we're, we're everywhere. might have to look for us, though, because we're not big yet. Well, <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're ever. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um join us again soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe as well. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. The Pursuing Success Podcast is an Essentials Media Production, copyright 2021.